the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I think that if I were to ask the average person who knows a bit about the Bible, if they would tell me what the parables of Jesus were and then name a few, I have a hunch that this would be in the top three. So, I can assume, therefore, that you have read, heard, or even thought about this parable from time to time, and it is called the parable of the... Did you find that in the Bible somewhere? Is there anything in the Bible that calls it the parable of the prodigal son? Or did I miss that one? Must be in an apocryphal book. (laughs) Well, no, but you're right. That's what it's called. But I need to ask you, who said so? And why is the emphasis when somebody says that on the prodigal? And if you were given the opportunity to name this parable... Would you name it the parable of the prodigal son? Or do you think you might call it the the parable of the forgiving, merciful, and loving father? And if that's the case, let's look at it. Because what we have in this parable are all sorts of things understood by the Jewish people. Put differently, what the son who asked that he be given his inheritance up front did was really not that uncommon. And having a son remain and do what was required and expected of him was not uncommon. But as you look very carefully at this parable, it doesn't take much time to figure out that the son who sought the inheritance, the so-called prodigal son, in fact engaged in those things which were not appropriate. In fact, the term that is used is reckless. And if that isn't bad enough, I want you to think what it's like for somebody who's Jewish working with pigs. So think about how much he had sunk, that he was now working with swine. And that he would therefore reason with himself. I love it. When he came to himself... When he begins to reason, he reasons that his dad's servants do better than he does, and perhaps his father will show mercy. So it is the mercy of his father that he then seeks. And in fact, says exactly what he had been pondering when he sees his father. Now, I suspect that as the son was making his way home, and he was wondering what dad might say, that he probably had not thought a whole lot about what his brother might say. And that probably wasn't so much on his mind. And so what is he met with? But a merciful father and a resentful brother. Now, notice what the brother says. The brother doesn't go to that word reckless, does he? The brother actually states what he thinks his brother has been engaged in. I'm not going to say it out loud. You saw it. Now, why in the world did the brother assume that that's what his 
prodigal brother was doing. Why was that his assumption? I mean, had the word filtered back? Probably not. If the word had filtered back, don't you think that there had been a search party out looking for him to find out why he was the brother, the prodigal brother, was living among the swine? But you see, here's the brother assuming that he knows exactly what the prodigal brother is doing. Which I have to say may say a little bit more about the brother who stayed home than about the prodigal brother. Judging in advance what he thought his brother might do, or perhaps, if you will, employing some projection of what he might do if he had the money. Now, the father is probably caught off guard, isn't he? He's caught off guard because he probably did not expect that he would have a son who would not share the enthusiasm in seeing the brother. He probably is taken aback because now all of a sudden we have the brother who has stayed at home making accusations even about his dad the things that his father had failed to do. But the father, and I would say with calmness in the parable, simply points out how much he already does appreciate him, how important it was. Now, I know none of you have ever experienced sibling rivalry, but you've probably read about it somewhere. (laughs) And so here we have sibling rivalry that has gone a little bit wild. But here's the thing you need to remember. This is not St. Luke recording something that was seen. This is St. Luke recording what Jesus said. And I think anytime we look at a parable, we need to ask ourselves a question. Why did Jesus say it? Why did he want it to be a part of his teaching? It's because there must be certain principles in the parable that Jesus was able to put into that form so that we might better understand what he wanted to adjust and change in the way in which we were living. Now, by now, I have to say I'm very, very proud of you. Um, because I, I noted in the proanaphora, you can say, Lord, have mercy upon us multiple times. Well done. I mean, just for fun, you probably want to go back at some point and start saying one, two, three, four. Look how many times you said Kyrie eleison, or Lord, have mercy upon us. Now, it's interesting because of the fact that that's precisely what we ask for when we approach God, isn't it? We approach God and we want Mercy. But you notice that the son who stuck around and took care of dad's property didn't go to his dad asking for any mercy, did he? He went to his dad asking for justice. And moreover, what he was asking for was probably not unreasonable in the worldly sense. 
when I don't get what I'm due or I think I'm being slighted or somebody has treated me in a way which I think they shouldn't or if somebody in my family is getting treated with extra love and respect and I'm the one that they could always depend upon, I want justice. I want people to know about this. But in fact, what we asked for at the beginning of this liturgy and we said and sang was, Lord, have mercy upon us. One brother wanted mercy. Another brother wanted justice. And a father wanted to offer forgiveness and reconciliation. And it doesn't take us very long to figure out which one of these is God. But now I have to ask the question of us. Which one of these brothers are we most like? Now you may say, you mean today or yesterday? True. Circumstances change, don't they? And we can see various points in our life when we have been actively engaged in making sure that we speak for ourselves so that we can be vindicated, justified, etc. But in fact, you and I live in the realm of mercy, or at least the need of it. Jesus talks about this in several places, doesn't he? About how odd it is that we could be forgiven for so much, and yet when it's time for us to forgive, we take on a different attitude, a different spirit. Once again, which one of those three characters are we most like? Now today is, of course, a day that has numerous names. Yeah, I know it's Sunday. Well done. But beyond that, it has numerous names, doesn't it? Okay, somebody got it for Sunday of Lent. Again, that wasn't too much of a stretch. But let's take it to the other possibilities. It's sometimes called Laetare Sunday. And you know why that is? Because in the introit, which is the historic kind of psalm text that we use, have used at various places, the, the first word in the introit is Laetare. And it means something to the effect of rejoicing and then it talks about Jerusalem. That's true. Well, it's not its only name. Sometimes it's called Rose Sunday. And in many parishes today that can actually afford to have a set of vestments that's only used twice a year, namely the fourth Sunday of Advent and now where we are in, in Lent, uh, rose-colored vestures worn. And it oftentimes raises the question of why, which is a fair question. And that is, to some extent, it's because, as you noticed, there's a little less Lent in front of us than there is behind us. We're moving closer to Easter. Easter is closer to us than Ash Wednesday. So we're moving forward. And this, these rose vestments show us that we're getting closer, still penitential, but maybe a chance to think. In fact, in England, in our tradition that we have inherited, Today is also called Mothering Sunday. And before it made it into the calendar of the United States, we 
celebrated Mothering Sunday. It isn't just about remembering mothers. It had to do with remembering Mother Church and for servants being able to go to their home parish. But Mothering Sunday, this is typically called. And if that weren't enough, you would never have to wonder what was going to be served at coffee hour. Because that was already predetermined. It's called simnel cake. So in most of our traditions today in Anglicanism, somebody's form of simnel cake will be in the coffee hour. Some of whom, some of the people will walk over and say, I have never met a fruitcake that I liked. Whereas others will find it to be a wonderful thing to be able to have. It's also occasionally called refreshment Sunday. No, not because of the simnel cake, but because for a very long period of time, the gospel invariably used on this day was the feeding of the 5,000 as a foreshadowing, if you will, of the Last Supper when we're fed. But that takes us back to the parable. Customs and traditions, they are wonderful, aren't they? And they actually cause us to get a little more excited about what we do and what we've been about for low these many centuries and millennia. But it still takes us back to that critical question. Or let's put it a little differently. Which one of these three characters in the parable today would you like to visit with? If you had to go and see one of those three characters today, which one would you like to visit? The one who really messed up and pragmatically came to an understanding that he should make amends and he should seek forgiveness? The one who pointed out that he hadn't received exactly what he should have, and why does my brother get all the attention? Or the one who says, I love you both. I love you. You don't have to earn my love. I love you because you're mine. And if you've gone with the last character, I'm hoping now that in spite of the fact that you will talk about the parable of the prodigal son, that you will always have in the back of your mind, but it's really about the forgiving Father, the merciful Father. And if it is, then I ask you that question one more time. Which one of those three characters do you want to be most like? And if I were to ask people in your family, in your neighborhood, in your church, which one they think you are, which one would they say? Mercy, forgiveness, and love. Those are hallmarks of our faith. And while you're at it, while we're at it, why not take a moment out today and think of somebody who probably you don't send Christmas cards to? Well, maybe you don't now because the stamps are so expensive, but somebody who could really benefit from a note from you so that they won't walk around any longer worrying about whether you really love them or accepted them or forgave them. Because in the end, you see, dear friends in Christ, God is calling us to be like the merciful and loving Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.